Well, good morning. How many people have been here since you, it was 100 years old? Raise your hand. Anybody here from 100? Okay, you have. We'll start there. Uh, 90 years, 80 years. Who's been the longest? Have you been the longest? You guys are original. You win. You win the door prize. Uh, it is fantastic to be a part of a legacy that is um, over 100 years or 100 years. Um, the story of this church, uh, I won't begin to tell because uh, I'll get it wrong. Uh, there are so many layers and details, but what I appreciate the most is the reality that I am a part of a legacy that um, has been in this city for 100 years. Churches uh, fold all the time. Churches have issues, problems, they just don't make budget, whatever it is. And there are so many reasons why they can fall apart. And yet what I've realized is for, over, for exactly 100 years, there have been men and women like us making very difficult decisions, trusting God and holding on to faith and seeing how that faith plays out. They've created a space for us to gather here now. And I think it's marvelous to imagine that we are standing on the shoulder of giants, people who have given so much, sacrificed so much. And so for a hundred years, we found that there are people who have dedicated their lives to seeing people come to know Christ through the context of many churches that have merged over the years to make up what is this hodgepodge of, of a church called Embrace. And I'm thankful that in January 2020, that torch was passed to me to run, to take off. I didn't plant this church. I didn't build any of the buildings. I didn't have anything to do with the inception of the church. But on January, I took the torch and ran. And you are running with me and we're going together. And walking into this building, I immediately felt the, the weight, gravity, but also I felt the gratitude to be a part of the legacy of going back and listening to uh, the stories of previous pastors and the things that they've been able to accomplish and the, the ministries they've been able to, to do across the world. And it's not lost on me that countless people have come before me to do the hard work, to prepare the ground for us to be here. And so I knew when I came that part of the responsibility here would be to honor our past, to make sure that we are, are, are cognizant of the fact that there are many sacrifice much. And so we honor our past. But we also don't stay there. See, there are no monuments here, merely footprints. A monument says that at least I got this far. But what a footprint says is, this is how far I came when I moved again. And that's exactly what I'm inviting you into. Because we're not creating monuments and we're not camping out here and we're not living in the past. We recognize and we honor the past, but we realize that the past is a gateway into the future. And there are countless footprints here of thousands upon thousands of people over a hundred years. And, and your footprint is evident here. It's evidence that God is working, that he is moving, that he's doing something remarkable in and through us. But here's what I said when I first came, and here's what I keep reminding you of, because God keeps reminding me that he's not done. God is not done, and as long as there are men and women who are willing to keep moving together in God's name, God will continue to bless his house. This is his work. And what this is, is this is a long obedience in the same direction. This is all of us marching together in the same direction to see people's lives continue to be changed. 
And I wish we had numbers of how many people have been saved and how many people have been baptized and how many people's lives have been turned over to the Lord, how many people have received the Holy Spirit and gone out and done countless work around the world. I wish we had numbers, but we don't. But what we do know is that as long as we're here, we're going to make sure that those numbers continue to increase, that we continue to do the work of the Lord because uh, God has blessed this church and all the water in the ocean, it can't sink a ship unless it gets inside. And all trouble in the world cannot harm us unless it gets inside. And so we have this responsibility to actively work to ensure that we are loving and caring and, and, and propping one another up. That we're not just moving. See, if we're not moving, then we're just meeting. And I didn't come here to meet. I came here to move. And so what we realize is that we've got to move, but we have to move together. But we also have to move in the same direction. We also have to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Because so many times churches get off of God's intention for uh, the church. And so we have a responsibility to stay in God's word. And to keep each other accountable. And to keep working towards a common goal. But the beautiful thing about a community of faith is that we work together to keep the ship from sinking. And we work together that you need the person next to you. I need the person in front of me. And you need the person beside you and behind you. We need one another. Because when aligning our life with God, the first thing that God does is he aligns us with one another. We can't go forward by ourselves. That what one can do is great, but what we can do through the power of community is so much greater. And even though the journey is tough, and I'll be honest, it's a lot harder taking an established church and, and turning it and moving it and helping it grow. It's a lot easier to start a church. It's a lot easier to plant a church fresh because then you get to do everything the way you want. You don't have to worry about the past because you don't have past. It's a lot harder to do what we're doing here. But we didn't sign up for easy work, did we? Following Christ means that we are willing to do the hard work because the hard work needs to be done. And we're blessed to have a beautiful facility in a wonderful location. And we're blessed to have great leadership and people who are giving consistently. But we have to continue to create or draw this thing called endurance. I wrestled with the title this morning, and I don't really like sermon titles, so I decided not to come up with one. But in the moment this morning, I thought, a hundred years of endurance feels like a pretty good title. One hundred years of being willing to endure. That this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the passage that comes from Hebrews 12, verse 1. This is, therefore... Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. So that you won't grow weary and lose heart. in struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is the reading of the word of the Lord. The author envisions these previous champions of faith. 
spectators in heaven cheering us on. The author is conjuring up imagery that, that we would have probably aligned with maybe the Olympics the last four years when there was an audience watching people perform unbelievable feats, tasks that are, are extremely challenging, and yet you can imagine a crowd of people, 30, 40, 50,000 people cheering them on. If you've ever been in a moment where you felt like it was overwhelming or you felt like there was something that you were challenged to do and couldn't quite do, but you've had someone cheering you on, you know that it becomes exponentially easier, more possible for us to do the impossible when we know there are people cheering for us. See, what I think is beautiful is that this passage is reminding us that we don't walk through life alone. That over a hundred years, we're still here, and there are hundred years of people in heaven cheering us on, encouraging us, challenging us, and, and, and cheering for us to continue to carry the torch, to continue to push forward. And the first thing that I want you to know this morning is that Hebrews is telling us that you've got to first run your race. That the first thing that I want you to know is that you've got to run your race. Let us run with endurance, the scriptures says. The race that lies before us. That we have to run your race. Uh, 52,000 people run the New York Marathon every year. Anybody ever ran in a marathon at all? Same. We're smarter than that. 52,000 people, though, run in this New York Marathon every year. And what's fascinating is that 51,999 have no hope of winning it. So 51,999 people are running a race that they know they're never going to win. So why do that? What's fascinating is that the marathon that we see is largely about cooperation, not direct competition. No one's elbowing anyone at the New York City Marathon. No one's sabotaging one another's efforts. That the real competition is with your own potential, not with the other runners. And so the marathon that we don't see is the yearly, uh, daily, lonely runs, the exercising, the stretching, the getting out and putting the work in every day. When we see the Olympics, uh, Olympi- Olympic athletes uh, perform, whatever you're performance of choice, uh, fencing or breakdancing now is a sport. Uh, whenever you're watching, we're watching people who uh, a 50-meter swim is less than, what, a minute, two minutes? We're watching just fraction of the work that they put in to be able to get to that moment. And what's so beautiful about the race that God has invited us to run is that the race that is set before us is not measured by who wins first, but how we finish together. The race is not a personal race. The goal is to run and to help others run, to finish and to make sure everybody around us finishes as well. That a lot of times we isolate ourselves as followers of Christ. We personalize it. It's my faith. It's my religion. It's my choice. It's my God. And we personalize it. And so we think my goal is to be holy. My goal is to make heaven. And and, and if I can do that, then I win But the gospel of Jesus Christ is annoyingly relational. That we don't win if we make it alone, but we've been invited to take others with us to encourage, to challenge, to inspire others to run this race as well. Because almost any of us can run, but not all of us can run for great lengths of time. I watched the Olympic runners and I thought, that is unbelievable. 
And someone had once said they should put in a regular person in every single sport for comparison so that we can see how exceptional they really are. And I thought that would be fascinating. I would love to be part of that. I could run and you could all just laugh because there's no way I could keep up and be the person still waiting for the gun when everybody else is done. But that's the reality of faith. Is that so many of us just take off and leave one another behind while there are many who still struggle to run their race. But the beauty in following Christ is not in running fast, but in running strong. And so often we imagine that other people, they have it easier than we do. We think, well, their struggle is easier than my struggle. And I wish I had their family or I wish I had their financial situation. And, and we look at other people and we think, I want their life. We want to trade lives and, or trade races with them. I'd rather run your race than, than run the race I'm in. But it's less about the race you've been placed in and more about how you run it. And we cannot control many of our circumstances. Most of our life is largely out of our control. And COVID continues to remind us that we don't have control over our lives. We cannot control other people's lives, but we can control how we act and how we react. We can control how we run our race. And it's not about where you start, but it's about how you finish. And many of you are legacy Christians. You were fortunate enough to have given your life over to Christ early on in your life, and you've been following him ever since, and it's fantastic. It's so many people in our city and beyond have yet to find Christ and a lot of them are uncomfortable walking into a room like this because they feel like they've been judged. They feel like they're sinners and we're not. And they don't want to start the race because they feel like it's too late. But it's never too late to start to chase after Christ. And God, he's, he's placed you in the race that you're in so that you can help others. Find Christ and run with endurance that he's placed people around you for a purpose. And, and he's given you difficult people many times to challenge you and to create endurance in you. And we look at Romans 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There's this formula. There's this equation that we find in Romans. The equation goes uh, that we have affliction, which produces endurance. I don't want affliction. I actively work to avoid affliction. I don't want pain. I don't want problems. I don't want suffering. And what Romans is inviting us into is to see that endurance is doing something through affliction. And it says endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this is not a natural progression in our lives, but this is what God has invited us into, is to see how affliction can produce endurance, how affliction can come in various ways, but affliction is never fun. And it may be that person in your life, it may be that job, it may be that financial struggle, whatever it is, that affliction in your life is producing endurance. 
And we can look back and, and probably most, if not all, could tell stories over the last hundred years. And I hope we can do that uh, at lunch. We could all tell stories, good and, and bad. Those that were, were great stories of success and those that were uh, of, of, of negativity and, and affliction. But we can see how all things have worked together. How God has used all of those things to produce in us character. That endurance is produced out of the most difficult aspects of our existence, not the easiest. And because our brain is lazy by nature, it, it wants to go into a low battery mode. It wants to go and save energy. It constantly gravitates naturally towards the easiest possible way. And so we have to actively wake our brain up to, to look at affliction as a way of creating endurance that suffering and affliction, they're natural parts of our lives. And what's natural is happening and God's taking what's natural and he's doing something supernatural with it. He's taking something that we're already going to experience and he's allowing us to, to grow in our faith because of it. That the question isn't, am I going to face some kind of affliction? Because you will, you have. The question is, will you allow God to teach you in those moments? And if we understand the power of endurance and, and what it's creating in our lives, then we'll actually see affliction as a gift. And affliction makes us the kind of people who are able to stand. And whatever it is that you want to do with your life and through your life, you must know that God has to put you through the gauntlet to prepare you for those things. The gauntlet comes to us in, in many forms, but we just call it life. And it's tough and it's challenging and it's constantly throwing curveballs at us. We have hurt and we have pain and we have loss. What God is doing is he is allowing those things to create endurance in us. The question is, are you going to give up? Are you going to quit when things get difficult? Are we going to continue to run our race? See, God often shows up in the way of life. Meaning we ask for, for God and we look for God and, and many times he's right there in the form of life. We just don't see him. He's using the path that you're on to help shape and to form us and to use us to help and to shape and form others. And so many of us, we say, God, speak or God, show me where you're at or God, where are you? And he's right there in the midst of affliction if we'll just look. I heard the other day that there's a, a whale and it's called the loneliest whale because it speaks a different frequency. I think it's like 52 hertz. And all the other whales speak 42 hertz. Uh, give or take. Don't quote me on it. But they're different frequencies. And scientists and oceanographers have discovered that these whales that are the loneliest cannot find another whale. And so they're left alone out in the ocean. Because they don't speak the same frequency that other whales do. They end up being all by themselves. And I have to wonder how many times we find ourselves in a relationship with Christ, running our race, asking God, where are you? But he's speaking at a frequency that we don't understand. We're over here speaking 52 hertz, and God's over here going, change your frequency, and you'll see how I'm working, and I'm moving, and I'm speaking. That I'm right here. I'm moving in your life. If you'll just pay attention Job tells us that God is always speaking, but it's us, up to us to, to understand it. But see, what happens for most of us is that we all want hope. But we don't want endurance, and we don't want affliction, and we don't want the things that it takes to get there. I want a gold medal. I watch these guys, and they kind of bite it. It's kind of gross, but I think that would be really fascinating 
to be known as the world's best something, world's best breakdancer. That could be me if only I was willing to put the work in, right? So we all want the end goal. We all want the hope. We all want the endurance. But we don't want to put the work into the suffering. That we want the reward, but we don't want to run the race that we've been placed in. We want to run a different race, an easier race, someone else's race. We all want faith, but none of us want to be faithful. And what God continues to invite us into is the hard work. That God has placed you around people to run your race alongside. And that's what's beautiful about this church that we've been placed in a race together. If you choose to call this place home, then you're invited into a race alongside me and those uh, others of us. The second thing that Hebrews tells us is he says, don't grow weary. Hebrews says, don't grow weary. He says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and what? Lose heart. It's as if the author knew that we were invited to run a race and immediately we would get weary. If we all were to take off running right now, we would probably get weary pretty quickly. And what the author is inviting us to do is to not grow weary. It says Jesus himself endured people. He fought through their opinions of him. He fought through their expectations of him. He fought through their rejection. Then his fight for humanity until his death. And then he came back again to fight for us once again. So we can't grow weary. And the Greek word, the same one for endurance, is also translated as patience or perseverance. If you do the etymology of the, of the word endurance, it takes us back to patience and perseverance, which is a constant reminder that we need to be patient people and persevere. We don't need to be people who grow weary because our strength doesn't come from anything here on earth, but our strength comes from heaven above because endurance as an expression of perseverance. We're saying, hey, we're going to hold out for the good for one another. We're going to expect the good. Patience means that we're going to slow down. We're going to realize that we're in a race, but it's not to be the first, but it's to go the furthest. But there's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. But in the context of following Christ and the long obedience in the same direction, if you want to go fast, go ahead and take off. We'll see you at the end. But there's a good chance you won't make it because we were never meant to do life alone. If you want to go far, we go together. And for many of us, we lack perseverance or the ability to hold out the good for others. And so we end up being hurt by others because that's what happens when you're in community. That's what happens when you do life with other people is you sometimes get hurt. And instead of holding out the good for others, we write them off and we think I'm better off to go at life alone. And what the scriptures constantly remind us of is this reality that we need one another. Perseverance means steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. See, sometimes we have to dig our toes in the sand and we have to say, I'll be here no matter what. We've been, over the last five or six weeks, going through the armor of God, and we'll be finishing that up over the next two weeks. We've been talking about how we're preparing for a battle. But when we realize that all life is a battle, we're either fighting a battle, recovering from a battle, or preparing for a battle, we have to understand that we're going to grow weary in that cycle. And what they're constantly reminding us throughout Scripture is that you can't grow weary that I believe that relational endurance that God wants to create in us is what's going to help sustain us for the next hundred years. 
This relational endurance, this ability to look at one another in the eye and go, I'm here for you. I'm wearing your jersey. I'm on your team, and I'm going to succeed, but I'm only going to see myself as a success if you succeed too. In Hebrews 12, 7, it goes on. It says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we, res- res- we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and life? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. What if the people in your life that are causing you the most trouble are God's way of helping create discipline, the discipline specifically of love in your life? What if God is using the circumstances and the people around you to teach us and to stretch us and to create endurance in us? Hebrews 12, 11 continues, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. This discipline, this affliction produces endurance which also yields peace and righteousness. We should be strengthening our relationships. We should strengthen our resolve That we won't see this church as a success a hundred years from now if there's a thousand people in it. We'll see this church as a success if there are a thousand people who are in unity, who are working together. Because everything grows. We have cancer that grows and it's unhealthy. We're not inviting God to help us grow our church. We're inviting God to help us grow healthy relationships that are tied and connected to God. We're reunited in the bond under Jesus' name. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no one's root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and by it defiling many. In other words, it's our responsibility to love and to support one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to foster love and unity, to give grace, to extend grace, to persevere for one another, to hold out for the good, that this ability to endure and to persevere and to have patience, it's your gift, it's your birthright that God has given us so we fight for one another. I don't know if you've ever been to an Ironman competition or if you're familiar with the Ironman competitions at all. But uh, in an Ironman competition, you run, uh, it's a 26.2 mile marathon. So you run 26.2 miles in a single day, not like over your lifetime. You run 26.2 miles one day. Then You stop running and you bike for 112 miles after running. And then you do a 2.4 mile swim all at once. And every year in Chattanooga, they would hold these events. And I could never make it because I was preaching. It was always on a Sunday. Otherwise, I probably would have not competed anyway. The reality is, though, it takes the best people eight hours to complete this. 15 hours for the slower ones. And you know what's fascinating about the Ironman is that it takes roughly 5,000 volunteers to pull this off. And they do these all over the world. 
It takes over 5,000 volunteers. They fly up there. They pay their own hotel. They, they buy their own food. They, they serve and volunteer for days before the events. And do you know what their job is during the events? They get as close to the competitor as they can without touching them. And they scream at them, don't give up. They yell at them, you can do it. Their job during the event is to encourage the racers. Because here's the reality. Even for the best athletes, no one can fully prepare for a full marathon. No one goes out and does this in their pastime. No one ever fully runs and bikes and swims this much. So they don't know what they're capable of until that moment. See, I don't think you and I understand what this church is capable of until we start realizing that there's a host of heaven cheering us on. Getting in our faces saying, don't grow weary. Don't give up. We can continue to endure. We can continue to persevere. We can continue to go forward. And many competitors in Ironman say they would have never finished the race if it weren't for the people on the sidelines yelling at them, I believe in you, you can do this. See, I think there are people in your life and mine that demand that we yell in their face as kindly as we possibly can, don't quit. I've been where you've been, and I know how hard it is. You can do it. You can get through this. Don't give up. Keep pressing forward. Create endurance. Create perseverance. And let's keep running this race. You don't have to go fast, but you've got to go far. But as a community, we are a gift to the world. That we are a voice in our community screaming out to people saying, Don't quit. Let's keep running this race that when we face a crisis, when we face a storm, we can look at the face of the storm and we can say, this will not break us. And together, what we find is that we are stronger. We find that we are, have endurance. We find that we can do more than we ever felt like we were capable of doing through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of a godly community just like this one. So what I love is to look at the last hundred years, and there's a table for some pictures and, and um, directories and things, and, and I've had people point themselves out as kids and pictures that are here today, and it's so awesome looking at the past, but what I love is screaming, there's so much future ahead of us, what are we going to do with it? There's so much future ahead of us. How are we going to make the most of it? What are we going to do together? And let's, let's pull from the, the heavens the hosts that are screaming and yelling and cheering for us. And let's lean into that. And let's watch what God does over the next 100 years. If you would, across the room, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning I pray that we be people who choose to seek joy, endurance, wisdom. We are people who always trust in Christ. Who have faith to know that we don't have to fear what may be ahead of us because God's already there. He's the God of the future. He's preparing the way for us to get there. And I believe that we will become people who will say, you can crush me, but I will not stop trusting in God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are for us that you are with us, that you sent the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we don't grow weary, so that we can mount up as wings like eagles, that when we feel tired, we can lean on you. When we feel worn out, we can trust in the power of our community that you've placed us in, that there are moments where I'm too weak, so I'm going to borrow your strength. 
There are moments when you're too weak and you're going to borrow my strength. But we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't back down. So, Father, we thank you that we have the power to endure. This power can only come through you. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody say amen. If you would go ahead and stand across the room.